thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. ShareGate's got your back. After helping thousands of customers move to Office 365, they've learned that success in the cloud involves more than just migration. That's why they've created ShareGate Apricot, an automated governance platform for Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365 groups. With ShareGate Apricot, you get full visibility across each team's lifecycle from creation all the way through to archival. You can automate manual tasks involved in identifying problem areas like inactive or orphaned teams and collaborate with team owners on corrective measures to help keep your teams tidy and secure. That's why they've combined ShareGate Desktop, their trusted migration and content management tool, with ShareGate Apricot in a single subscription so that you have everything you need to be successful in the Microsoft Cloud. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 408, where today AC and I are going to catch up on a whole bunch of cloud news, including Teams, Facebook Workplace, and Azure, recorded live May the 6th, 2021. Good morning, AC. Hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We missed you last week. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually caught up on the episode yet, but I saw it come out and it looks pretty good. It was. It was good. Stefan and I had a really good conversation. It's gotten a lot of good attention in the community so far. His project has. I'm glad that we could help him play a role in helping make other people aware of it as well. So he's getting a lot of good, a lot of good reaction from the community. So it's good to see. Awesome. It's very good to see. Yeah. You know, I'm not a front-end guy at all, Mm. right? I look at when I have to build things, they always look really bad because Mm. I just don't know how to make things look good. Well, I know what I like and I like things that look good, but I don't know anything really much of modern front-end web development, like in terms of CSS and HTML and all of that sort of stuff. Like I, I just suck at it. I've always sucked at it. And so anything that can help me with that, I'm all for. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like about his project. I'm trying to push him in the, I'm trying to encourage him to to go in the direction, or he might or he may already decided it, but I'm trying to push him in the direction that's similar to like what the Tailwind guys have done where they have a paid offering where they build a bunch of components for you that you can kind of essentially build a website by like paint by numbers. So it's like, I yeah. know I need a header. It's like, here's all your header options. Like I want, oh, okay, cool. Copy, paste, HTML, and CSS, drop it in. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. And it's not like, well, you got to make sure it goes inside of this div and that's like, no, 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 no. Just drop it. Okay. Drop this. Okay. Good. We're all good. And yeah, gotcha. I'm hoping he goes in that direction. That's what I'm like you. I suck at the UI side, but I can copy and paste like a Freaking ninja. Yeah. <laughs> like the old copy paste trinet. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to get him to kind of do a little bit of that. And I think he's got some stuff that he wants to do with it. Like I know he wants React controls out there and stuff, but I think that it would be it would be something that would be very welcome because that's at least in the 365 space and in the Microsoft design space, it's definitely something that's needed. Or at least there's yeah. a, there's a void and he could step into that vacuum and fill it up. Yeah. I think would be a, a good opportunity for him. For him and his project. And it's funny because we got off the episode and we were talking and I was like, man, there's got to be a way for you to monetize this. With all the time you've put into this, I have got to, I really want to help you find a way to make sure yeah. that you're able to see this come back to you in a tangible way, even though yeah. it's a community thing. Whether it's like I give away a free framework and I get consulting yeah. jobs out of it or something like that. Sure, sure. Yeah, so at any That's rate. Cool. Yeah, I've got a few ideas of things I want to look at building. And well, I guess we'll talk about how I'll have a bunch of time for that in a second. But yeah, like I said, I suck at building front end stuff. So I'm all for things like this. I've been playing a lot with Blazor. Yeah. And it's great, but only 
I've been using um, like the Telerik blazer controls on top of it because like I suck at building front end stuff. So I'm just like, cool. Well, a control set that kind of doesn't look terrible and has all the controls I need to do like drop downs and type aheads and grids and all that. I'm totally all for that because I'm not making that stuff up in CSS. That's <laughs> for sure. It'd be a, I'd spend 90% of the time trying to figure out why I couldn't center a thing. <laughs> <laughs> or why is it off by three pixels? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's funny you say that because he's he actually, we talked about it where somebody has already taken his stuff in the H2O framework that he created and has built a Teams app, full Blazor Teams app, but he's using his H2O framework inside of it so that it looks like the Microsoft like rendering and not like what it doesn't look like Blazor or like the Blazor. That's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Because I want to use Blazor because my productivity is as a developer, I'm way more productive in C Sharp for like backend stuff and all those sorts of things. But I don't want to have to do all the CSS and HTML stuff myself. So interesting. Ah. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll have to try this out. Stefan, you're probably going to get a question or two from me, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's a fellow, cool. a fellow Austrian of his. I always screw up with last name. So I apologize, Tommy. But um, Tommy Golas, the, oh, yeah. the farthest, I think he holds the record for the furthest listener from oh, right. the podcast. Yeah. I think we had established that one time. Huh. Yeah. Cool. So he's the I'll one that did try. the Blazer stuff. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to dabble in that. That sounds good. So this is episode 408, which is the 408 status code is request timeout. So it's a response status code. (laughs) It means when the server would like to shut down unused connections. And you said you might have time on your hands. Is there a request timeout coming for CJ? There is. Uh There is indeed. (laughs) Yep, yep. I will be leaving my current employer at the end of the month, which is kind of a big deal for, well, for a few reasons. Oh, slow clap. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Yep. So for those of you who, I mean, I don't talk about what I do in my day job very much on the show, I don't think, but sometime back we sold, my co-founder and I sold Hyperfish to Lifetiles. That was back in, I guess, 2018. And then we continued to operate it pretty independently, almost until I would say the end of 2019, really. We obviously had we had contractual things we had to fulfill and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, so I've been at Lifetiles since, you know, since we sold the company and running it as a separate entity during our earnout period and all that sort of stuff. And then we integrated the companies and and brought Hyperfish into the Lifetiles, into the Lifetiles company and things like that. And so, yeah, I've been working on that pretty much ever since, along with a bunch of other things that I've been doing internal at the company. And so, yeah, I think to your point, my request is timed out (laughs) and I'm going to be a free agent at the end of this month, which like I said to you before the show, I'm quite sort of apprehensive about this because I've I've never not had another job lined up Mm -hmm. in my life, I think, as far as I can remember. And so I'm a little bit apprehensive about it. It's all new territory for me, but also I'm very excited about it because um, I'm going to take some time to sort of noodle on what I want to be when I grow up, <laughs> what I want to do when I'm an adult. I want to, I've got a bunch of projects I want to work on. I've got some house stuff I want to do. I'm taking the, fa- well, I'm, the family are taking me to Utah for two weeks <laughs> to go visit some of the national parks and things like that. So we're going to go do some stuff as a family together. And I'm not sure if I'm going to, I'm not sure where the future is going to take me, mm. which is exciting, but also 
a little bit nerve wracking too. I'm waiting to see, you got to turn your camera on for the first time that when you go to get on your computer and your live tiles login no longer works and you can't get into your mailbox yeah. or into Teams. <laughs> yeah. I imagine you being a bit like John Travolta's character, Vincent, in Pulp Fiction, just kind of like, what do I, what do I do? Like, what, what do I do? <laughs> what happens What? Yeah, I tell you, that I had that feeling when I left Microsoft that I wasn't being told what to do in a day by my calendar, mm-hmm. right? Because at Microsoft, you're very much driven by your calendar. At mm-hmm. least I was. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes for a lot of other people. You look at, you wake up in the morning, you look at your calendar and you're like, oh my God, I've got back-to-back meetings all day, mm-hmm. right? That It's not like that at, at Live Tiles, right? Or at Hyperfish, we, you know, it wasn't quite the same meeting culture and things like that. So I wasn't driven by my calendar, but it is going to be very odd not being driven by what happened in Europe overnight because we have a huge, we have a, well, huge, I probably suppose is the wrong word. We have a large part of the company resides in Europe between Denmark and Switzerland, mostly between those two, especially on the product team side. So, you know, I was working with a bunch of colleagues over there and so you'd wake up and check in on Teams or email and things and see what's been happening overnight on certain projects and what you need to get onto. So that's going to feel pretty weird. Mm. So that's so like that part of the company, that's like primarily where the engineering is happening then for the product is what you're saying? Yep. Okay. That's right. The, Got it. the center of gravity for engineering and the product team is is all in Europe now. Okay. Uh, there's some in Australia, but and there, there used to be some in the US, but that's been, I guess, reorganized is probably the right way to say it mm. in Europe. So that's the most. That's where all of the engineering team, most of the engineering team sit. The vast majority. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It's, so man, yeah, it's um, it's funny. I was just going back and looking at this that. We started this podcast in 2013. So when I first started my career, I remember my dad gave me some grief because in the first like about six years of my work career out of university, out of college, I had something like eight or nine jobs in six years. And it wasn't because I was let go. It wasn't because of like, you know, burning bridges and stuff. It was always like, well, I've kind of maxed out my role in this, in this, in this, in this location. I don't have upward mobility. So let me go. And then someone comes along with an opportunity that was to grow and all that stuff. So I took that opportunity yeah. or take a gamble with a startup and stuff. And it was, um, I guess you can look at it as part of it was a failure on my part of not looking and seeing like, you know, hey, you're going to cap out at this job pretty quick. But I mean, I was in my early 20s. So it's not like you really have that kind of insight. And yeah. so anyways, like I started my career. I had all these jobs in the span of like six, of like six years. And then we started this podcast in October, 2013, so seven, eight years ago. And in that time, I have only started one business that I'm still doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, you've been at Microsoft and left and went to Provoke and then left and went yep. back to Microsoft and then left and started yep. Hyperfish and then got bought by yep. Live Tiles. And now you're going to be going off and doing, well, we don't know what you're going to be doing yet. So I'm like, yeah, this is great. So now I can look at my dad going, see, I got my crap out of the way early. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair call. Yeah. Seriously, though, it's cool to see that you're what you're going to do. It's exciting. I know you and I have talked a lot about this offline. Yeah. What's next kind of a thing. And I'll share something, nothing that, that none of the confidence stuff that you and I have, but it, I'll share something that like that with our listeners that the position that you're in, I put myself in that position. You're in that same position now where it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have this job. I now don't have a job or have yep. a specific thing lined up. I don't know what yep. I'm going to do. And the feeling that you get after a few weeks of being in that position to where you finally realize like, my brain feels like it's gotten a lot quieter. 
Like, I don't feel right. like I'm being distracted. I don't feel like I've got right. like, the thoughts of trying to think about something else work like getting a shower this morning, like going, Oh my God, I got to go through and I got to do these, these things here. I got to get out of the shower and I got to go, I got to go right, jot these down before I forget these ideas. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff, like that kind of a feeling to have that kind of freedom and for your mind to really quiet down. Sort of clarity. Yeah. And to kind of just look and see, what do I want to do right now? What do I want to work on? Whether it's right. an opportunity that someone has presented you <clears throat> with, whether it's something you want to go pursue, which could be one of the same thing or different things, whether mm. it's something that you want to build, whatever. I mean, it, I, mm. that kind of stuff, you can't, I'm really curious to see like, you know, in a couple months time when you, when you get a chance to reflect on this, that we can go back and talk about it and just be like, so what was your experience through this? Because I only know of like one other yeah. person that's been through, that, that I've talked to about this stuff that has been through a similar kind of a thing and they shared the same experience that I had or we had the same experience kind of perspective on it. I'm curious what yours is too. Yeah. Not that there's a right and a wrong. I, I'm just curious. I feel very fortunate that I'm in a position that I don't have to rush into it mm -hmm. as well. So I'm not in a position where I have to have a job straight away and I can take some time to reflect on like I said, what I want to do when I grow up mm -hmm. and look around as well, right? And not rush into something. Mm -hmm. So whether that be joining another startup, starting another startup, doing something independently and doing my own thing for a while, doing some consulting work. I mean, I'm open to all of these things, right? So I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know which of those paths I'm going to take, or it might be a mixture of paths, I guess, as well. But I feel very fortunate that I'm in a position that I don't have to rush on that and decide straight away and just jump into the first thing that comes along. Do you want to share a way for people to contact you if, if somebody was like going, oh my God, he would be perfect for blah, blah. Do you want to yeah, like, or tell people like how, how, should they get, how should they get in touch with you? Like Twitter, LinkedIn, email, showing up at your house probably, with candy? Probably LinkedIn is the easiest way from a professional point of view. I mean, I'll, I don't normally check my messages on LinkedIn because it's usually a bunch of recruiters or VCs or something like that. But Probably LinkedIn is the easiest way to find me. If you just search for Chris Johnson and probably hyperfish is probably the most unique term for qualifying after Chris Johnson. The Microsoft Cloud <laughs> Show? I mean, come on, you've got to be associated with yeah, that. Yeah, well, that's in there too, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> I do have Microsoft Cloud Show in my LinkedIn uh, job history or list or whatever you call it. So that's another way to, I guess, another term you could use to search. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, I'm open to chatting and listening to thoughts and ideas on things. So Definitely, uh, if you have ideas or things like that, hit me up. Sounds good, man. Sweet. Well, right. We do have a bunch of news to get through. We do. We have a bunch of stuff to get through. We're going to try our new What's New in Office 365 segment starring Andrew Connell. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we got a bunch of stuff here. So let me blaze. I'm going to go through these kind of rapid fire. Last week, we did Azure. This week, we're going to do Microsoft 365. I did not. There's two that I'm looking forward to talking about later when we do the news because I haven't seen them in Message Center, and I found them somewhere else. And I'm oh my, I'm over the moon about them. But anyway, so first of all, this is Message Center 254426. There's six of these. So sorry, it's going to take a second. 254466. 26. 26. Yep. So this is apps and external scenarios. Apps will now be available for use in external meetings and chats. This is in Microsoft Teams. Users from the host organization can install, update, and delete apps. External users who belong to other organizations that are invited into the meeting or chat will be able to interact with only the apps, with only the apps that the host user installs. This one's interesting because like 
there are some gotchas when it comes to SharePoint fr- using the SharePoint framework to build a meeting app for Microsoft Teams and if there's external users. Because behind the scenes, these apps have to be installed in a meeting, but not in a channel meeting. They have to be just in a regular meeting that you install from the calendar or gotcha. that you create from the calendar. And in that case, when you do that in Teams, because the meeting is not in a team, it has no SharePoint site backing right, that team. And yep, so yep. SharePoint, the SharePoint framework, when it's running or when SharePoint runs a SharePoint framework component, it has to run in the context of a SharePoint site. And yep. when the user comes in as like a guest user, SharePoint has no context about this person. Mm. So it just doesn't work. You just get this weird kind of like, ah, kind of an error. So interesting. Yeah. the next one I've got is Message Center 253186. This is whiteboard storage is changing to OneDrive for business. It's being what the Microsoft whiteboard is being rebuilt to integrate seamlessly across the suite so that you can create, share, discover, and manage whiteboards as easily as any office document. This is going to start around October 2021. All newly created whiteboards will be stored in OneDrive for Business that will provide your organization with rich content and management features. So that starts right around later this year in October 2021. The next one is an update to Microsoft meeting creation, sorry, Microsoft Teams meeting creation and expiration policies. This is Message Center 252588. They've made changes to how meetings and join links are accessible for meeting organizers who have had their scheduling capabilities revoked. Today, meeting URLs can be accessed before, during, and after the scheduled meeting time, even if the scheduling permission for the meeting organizer has been revoked after the meeting was created. So what Microsoft is doing is they're adjusting the behavior so some, of some settings in the meeting policies will give additional control to tenant admins. And that has already taken effect. They're available today. They just forgot to announce that they were doing it. They even said in the message thing, sorry for not telling you about this sooner. <laughs> the next one is 25, 2293, additional regional region support for Cortana voice assistant in Teams for iOS and Android. It's extending support for Microsoft Teams mobile apps in iOS and Android for users with their phone regions set to Australia, Canada, India, and the United Kingdom. It's available in English only and is in addition to the English support in the US that was launched in calendar year 2020. This is rolled out again right now. And as they say in this message center one, quote, we apologize. This was not communicated ahead of time. And we're working to ensure that we make you aware of these changes prior to starting them out in the future, except for this one and last one. They didn't say that. I added that at the end. (laughs) All right. Number five, view and manage users feedback. Sorry, view and manage feedback users submitting to Microsoft about Microsoft 365 products. This is message center 253498. Now, Microsoft made some announcements a couple months, about a month or two ago, that they were, as a company, moving away from user voice for people to provide feedback for products. They are moving their feedback mechanism into the Microsoft 365 portal. So your tenant admin, essentially, kind of makes sense because they only want, it's, it's almost like they only want feedback from people who are customers, not from anyone else. So I get that. And this allows you to browse, drill into, export feedback for the last 18 months that your users have submitted about their experience. Oh, Big Brother can see the feedback that you're providing on the products. Big Brother being like your own organization. So yeah. that is rolling out. That rollout for targeted release, the entire organization, is beginning right now, early May of 2021, and should be finished by the end of May. Standard release 
which is everybody else, begins in late May and should be complete by the end of June 2021. Gotcha. And the last thing that I've got here is connector results in all tab in SharePointOffice.com and MSB. I forget what MSB is. This is Message Center 253495 with graph connectors and result clusters. Enterprises can search for content from third-party connector data sources and their default view, the all tab in SharePointOffice.com. Ah, and Microsoft Search and Bing, that's MSB. Ah, right. The results shown in the result cluster are grouped together based on the search vertical configuration. And it looks like that has already rolled out because it says, what do you need to do to prepare? You might want to notify your users about this new capability and update your training and documentation as appropriate. (laughs) Sounds like it's already rolled out. (laughs) And it's done. Yeah, exactly. So that is all of the message center updates that we have seen in the last two weeks from Microsoft 365. Very nice indeed. Very nice. Let's move on to some news and uh, get stuck in. We've got some stuff on Microsoft 365 and Teams, Facebook Workplace and Azure and some overall Microsoft news. So let's, uh, let's dive into that. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Have you ever wondered if you could be offering a faster, less buggy application experience for your customers? With Raygun Application Performance Monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. With Raygun, monitor the impact of your performance improvements, quickly identify and resolve issues, and see how your code performs in the hands of your customers, saving you time, money, and sanity. I've personally used Raygun and Hyperfish for the last four years to help me sleep better at night knowing the customers we've worked so hard to get are having a great experience. We use Raygun to alert engineers proactively so that we can be the ones to tell customers when we've fixed the problem instead of them calling us to say something's wrong. Raygun.com is my secret weapon in shipping high-quality code. Check it out at raygun.com and get up and running in minutes. And now, back to the show. All right, would you like to kick us off with something, AC? Something on maybe from Microsoft? Yes, I will do that. For our, our Microsoft or Microsoft, te- Microsoft Teams? Yeah, here we go. So let's do Microsoft Teams. The first one I've got here is, it's an article from What's New in Microsoft Teams in April 2021. I know we're in May, but this article came out towards the end or the last day of April. There's a whole lot of stuff in here, but there are two things that I want to highlight from this, that stuff that is new. There's, there's talk in here about the new devices and how you can have a little thing, a little people like speakerphones. There's now a USB-C based yep. speakerphone you can plug in and et cetera. What's cool about this is that I've noticed two of these changes. Now I haven't noticed them in my tenant, but I've noticed them in the Microsoft tenant. So they're starting to roll out. One of them is that, you know, when you're doing a Teams meeting and the gallery of all the people that are sharing their videos is all showing up at the bottom. Yeah. I've complained about that because everybody's camera is usually at the top of their monitor. So you're all looking at, you know, their chests yeah. or their stomachs and stuff. I've yep. noticed that switched. They're now doing the Zoom style. I shouldn't say Zoom style, but they are doing the Teams, the video gallery now is above at the top of the Teams client now. So that's good to see. It's a much more natural feel. And the other thing that I've noticed, and this hasn't hit, this has hit the for Windows desktop client. And it looks like it is available in the normal desktop client that anybody can get. And it only appears to be in the Mac desktop client for closer ring tenants. Like I see it in the Microsoft client, but I don't see the Microsoft tenant, but not my tenant. I see. We can now choose to use Teams style notifications or 
the native platform notifications. So when I say no notifications, doesn't show me notifications. It doesn't so show you yeah. about time. Now, the bad thing about this is you have to go in and you have to actually choose. I want native ones, not Teams notifications. Oh, good grief. So I've noticed it on my Mac client when I'm in the Microsoft tenant that the notifications are showing up as like native Mac OS style notifications. So when I put my machine in Do Not Disturb, they're finally being respected. Gotcha. Oh, look at that. I can change from Teams to Windows notification style. Mm-hmm. I'm on Teams desktop for Windows. Yes. So I've got it too. Yeah. So you have it and I have it, but only if I'm connected to like a Ring Zero or an early Ring tenant for oh, okay. my Mac client. So Got it. Got it. Interesting. That's cool. About time. Good grief. Speaking of Teams, there's been some a new set of numbers come out from Microsoft as part of their quarterly conversations. And one that we just picked up on that people are starting to take notice of, fairly, fairly big number, is that Teams, this is from Satya Nadella, during the earnings call, said Teams now has over 145 million daily active users, almost double the number from a year ago. Mm. Staggering, well, staggering growth, but just a huge number. 145 million daily active is... A big, big number. That's, I, I guess, yeah, half the population of the US every day, daily active. That's impressive. That's yeah, crazy. That's, right? it's, that's crazy. It's crazy. Which also leads me into another piece of news that I feel like I should talk about, having just said 145 million, which is Facebook have announced that they have reached 7 million for Facebook Workplace. Wow. Not daily active, paid users. So... They choose to report a slightly different number, right? So that it can't be direct apples to apples comparison with Microsoft. But I don't know, man. Like, if I was watching Microsoft come out and saying 145 million, I'm not so sure I'd be coming out saying seven. Yeah. You know? Especially when it's supposed to compete. I was honestly a bit surprised by that. I mean, it's a big number. Seven million people is a lot. But it's not very big, you know? It's what I agree with you, right? Seven million is a big number. But when you put it in context and you compare that to the 145 million that Teams has as daily, and you consider that Facebook Workplace has been out much longer than Teams, and it was supposed to be there to also be like a competitor to Slack, yeah, both of them were, then it's kind of like, nah, you guys haven't done nearly as well as... Yeah, I- it would be interesting to see a market share comparison of all these tools, all these suites of applications and tools, and see who sits where in terms of the numbers. Mm-hmm. The other thing that Satya mentioned during the call was that the number of organizations with more than a 1,000 users who are integrating their third-party and line-of-business apps with Teams has nearly 3 x year over year. That means companies are taking a bigger bet on Teams and it's going to be sticky. You know, it's going to be a stickier application because people need to go and use it to get access to their apps and things. Mm -hmm. And he said, we're accelerating our innovation, adding over 300 features over the past year, including more than 100 new capabilities so far in 2021. Huge, huge pace. Huge. Huge. That's impressive. Massive pace. So, uh, yeah, the Teams team are on an absolute roll. And I know a few folks that work on that team and they're... They look pretty frazzled, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I joke with them about it, but they are running a million miles an hour and they're continuing to run a million miles an hour. So it's been a busy year and and, uh, they're making use of it, right? They're making use of the the chance, the opportunity they've got to go hoover up all of this market share. It is impressive what they've done. 
it's just hard to follow like all the new features that keep getting added to it. It's just, it's almost like, I mean, to me, it's kind of like Facebook, like when Facebook does something new and they're like, Hey, we did this, you know, this is a new feature. I'm like, it just kind of just melded in with everything else that's there that I didn't really even notice. I noticed it, but I didn't really notice it. It just kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, we switched milk in the house. We used to be eating this milk. Now we're this milk. I go, yeah, I noticed it, but I didn't really take notice of it. Sure. Yeah. So it's good. Little bits change over time. I like it. Speaking of change. Have you become very fond of the default font that is used by Office, which is Calibri, which replaced, and I think 2007, it replaced Times New Roman as the default font? Yes. Yeah. I like it. Well, guess what? It's kind of of my go-to font. Well, I'm sorry, but it's going to get replaced. Why? I don't know. Because Microsoft just likes to change things. The design team has commissioned five new fonts, which they're very proud of, and showing them off to uh, font designers and they're kind of giving people an option to voice their opinion on what they think about them. So let them know what the next one's going to end up being. I, To me, I looked at all five of them, and I'm like, they all kind of look alike to me. So, okay. Yeah, we're not designers, though. We say <laughs> things like that. It's like it's blue. No, it's not. It's a light blue. I don't know. Sure, it's blue. Same I, deal. It's hard to tell the difference between the two and or between the five, and it's like, okay. It just... Yeah, I'm going to... Protests, I'm going back to Comic Sans. All my slides from now on are going to be Comic Sans. And now it makes sense why you're no longer employed. (laughs) (laughs) I made made one mistake and presented to the board using Comic Sans, and look at me now, destitute and penniless. That's it, man. (laughs) Fair enough. I would too. I'd find anybody that presented to me in Comic Sans. That's ridiculous. But uh, anywho, wow, new fonts. Yeah, moving on. Uh, All right, I've got something else here on Teams. So there is a new app for students called Reading Progress. Imagine it's targeted at EDU customers using Teams. Well, it looks like. But it's an app that basically can help students with their reading proficiency, speed and accuracy and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, launching it in Teams. Just thought I'd throw it out there. They're trying to go hard on education, that's Mm. for sure. I have an announcement, and then I have a retraction. I'm going to see if I can do these really fast. (laughs) Microsoft announced on April the 26th that they are announcing a public preview for Viva Learning, which everyone can go take a look at right now. But then within 24 hours, they were like, whoa, due to overwhelming demand in the first 24 hours, signups and limited spots available. We're closing the public preview signups at this time. (laughs) So if you're hearing this and you didn't know about this news, you missed out. But there's a blog post with some pretty pictures in it that you can go take a look at about Viva Learning. Makes me wonder whether they actually have anything or if this was a, you know, like a phishing site, not bad phishing. Yeah. You know, if you have a product idea and you throw up a site about it and you see if there's any interest, you sort of direct people to it and things like that. Makes me wonder, it's like, should we launch the thing? I don't know. Let's blog about it and see if we get any interest. Everyone signed up. Like, oh, sorry. Well, either people did or nobody did, and they just said everybody did. I bet they got. I suspect it's probably interest. Yeah. I suspect it's interest. Viva's got a lot of buzz around it. It's curious to watch it. Yeah. I'm curious to watch it, but it's like, yeah. It's one of those things that was like Delve to me, which, you know, I work in a company of one. So it's kind of like going, look at all this stuff that Delve can do, insights, all the people that you work with. I'm like, except nobody in my tenant. I don't work with anybody in my tenant other than myself. So my Dell is really boring. Yeah, yeah. Don't you care about the latest things that are coming out in the graph API? I'm like, not really, because it's just getting access to my own data. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Nothing against it. I mean, it's just like, I'm not the target audience. I can show you how to use it, but I'm not going, did you see this bug? Yeah. No, (laughs) I didn't. Yeah, yeah. All right, so speaking of new apps, Microsoft 
365 apps are now available for the Amazon Fire tablets. If you're not an iPad household and you're an Amazon Fire Android-y household, then, well, I guess there's Android versions of these apps as well, but now they're available to Amazon Fire tablets. Amazon Fire tablets have always been a little bit different, right? They've got their own store and not everything for Android is available on the Fire tablets, things like that. So now you can get Office and do your slides using Comic Sans from your Amazon Fire HD tablet. That was the audio version of me doing a head a face palm. Face palm. I don't know if you've ever had a Fire tablet. I've had mixed results with them, but they are very cheap. They're very cheap. I have a couple in my house that I use as kiosks for our security system. Right. They're great for that. But to me, I've always been, I don't know if it's because like switching from like an iOS device over to a Fire tablet, the performance is so different. And I mean, I get why they're cheaper. And I don't know if it's just that my expectations of what it should be are clouded. Yeah. So like, I don't think that my expectations are fair, but I also understand, I mean, you know, you can get a 10 inch tablet for 150 bucks. Something like that? Yeah. 200 bucks? Yeah, yeah. So Fair enough. Microsoft has released a preview version of the Office desktop client for macOS. Ooh. It's now available for anybody to go take a look at if they would like to. So I've got a link to that in the show notes. I've not done that because the last time I installed a preview version of Outlook, Outlook kept crashing on me. And it's one of those things that I couldn't afford to do. Yeah. I couldn't afford to deal with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I noticed the other day Outlook on my laptop updated. I haven't been using my Mac laptop a lot during the pandemic. And um, so I opened it the other day and there's a bajillion updates and it sat there for a long time downloading lots of things from the intertubes. And then at some point I opened Outlook and it said, Boop, would you like to try the new Outlook experience? Like, yeah, sure. That's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's looking pretty slick, actually. So, um, yeah, I noticed that, but now it'll be for the rest of Office apps, too. Yeah, it's, still, it's got this little ta- little toggle in the top right corner where it's like, do you want the new experience or do you want the old experience? And it's weird because I've had the new experience turned on for, it seems, like a year. Mm. But it's weird because it's the only toggle control that when you turn it on, it looks like it's off. And when you turn it off, it looks like it's on. Yeah, because they, they probably want you to... It's a bit of reverse psychology. They don't want you to notice that you've got this thing on that you can turn off and see what happens. Yeah, and it, but it's, it's kind of frustrating because it's like, it's a toggle and it's supposed to be blue when it's on, not gray. But when I look at it, it's, yeah, it's just weird to me. Think of it as like the legacy toggle. Yeah. You want to turn on legacy mode. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's a bit of reverse psychology, I suspect. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. What do you got for us in Azure land? Oh my God. God, do you want a gigantic VM? Sure. I mean, Is it like, free? no. <laughs> it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, your firstborn, and your job. Oh, hey. It's out of your price range now. So um, (laughs) this is upgrade your infrastructure with the latest DV5 and EV5 Azure VMs. These are in preview. And get this, if you want a general purpose workload, you can get the D series, the V5 of the D series. That means that you can have up to 96 virtual CPUs, 384 gigs of memory, and a local disk with up to 2.4 terabytes and up to eight NICs on it. But wait, that's not all. Do you want a memory-intensive VM? Oh, yeah. Hell, now, again, the EV5 series can have up to 
96 vCPUs, just like the D-Series, but it can have up to 672 gigs of RAM, up to eight virtual CPUs, and local disk up to 2.4 terabytes. So the big difference there is the D-Series, they're basically the exact same, except the D-Series maxes out at 384 gigs, where the E-Series maxes out up to 762 gigs of RAM. These are all based on the V3, uh, the third gen, Intel's third gen of the Intel Xeon scalable procs. I'm going to say something fairly crass, and I apologize in advance, okay. especially to any woman listening to the show. Am I going to have to censor that? Should I get my censor noise out? Uh, no, it's not crude. Like it's, oh, not, okay. it's not like a swear word or anything. But do you think they, so the D-series, if you notice the names of the D-series, they go from like DV5 to DS5, and then they go to DDV5. Do you think that's a little bit of a joke? Oh my God. That no, no, somebody's no. having? <laughs> Maybe. Do you think somebody's thought that through? Or do you think that's completely innocent? I love to be in a meeting where someone brings that up at Microsoft. And the dude that was in charge of naming just kind of looks around, either goes beat red, like, oh my God, I had no idea. What have or, I done? Or yeah. it's just kind of looking around going, yeah, you get it? <laughs> I suspect it's totally innocent. It just cracks me up that you want really large VMs, you have to go to a DDSV5. Hmm, that's funny. Anyway, like I said, my apologies for going there. What else you got for us? Moving along. <laughs> Speaking of really large things, Microsoft, their earnings release, good grief, they had a killer quarter. <laughs> I don't know if you look through some of these numbers, but they're enormous. Yeah. Revenue was $41.7 billion, up 20%. Operating income was $17 billion, increased 31%. Like, what? But tens of billions of dollars, and they're growing at 20%. That's not like just sneaking into the double digits. That's like crushing the double digits mm-hmm. in terms of a company that size. And things are growing like absolute wildfire. Like productivity in business was up 15%, right? So that includes office commercial, which was up 14%. Like these are huge, huge numbers in products that massively penetrated in the market, right? So there's tons of growth left there still. LinkedIn up 25%. Man, that acquisition is playing out in terms of cash for them pretty darn well. What else have we got here? Intelligent Cloud, which includes Azure, 23%. Azure revenue growth in particular was up 50%, which is just insanity. Insanity, I say. Like having to add just the, like to being able to cater to that revenue, adding hardware and infrastructure fast enough to get a 50% growth rate. Is just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then even, I say even, the runner-up, Windows increased 10%, which, I mean, it's a pandemic. People are buying a ton of laptops. Yeah. So that makes sense. There's a correlation there between needing machines at home and Windows revenue. But that's pretty, pretty amazing increase. Even Windows commercial products went up 10%. So that's that same as... OEM revenue, which is the consumer stuff, and then commercial up 10%. So, yeah, amazing. So, these are all numbers that are year over year, right? So, the same quarter, same quarter year over year. I believe it's not from same quarter. I believe it's increased from last quarter. I don't know if it's a year, I don't know if it's the, the equivalent quarter a year ago. 
Might be. No, you're right. Corresponding period in the last fiscal. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Some of it makes sense. I don't want to. I, don't, I really don't want to try and sound like I'm coming off like throwing a wet blanket on some of this news. But let's remember where the last quarter was that closed. That was March and April of, or that was uh, February and March of last year, when basically the world was coming to a stop. Yeah. So that's one. Now, granted, the world mm. was coming to a stop, and then also going to work from home and everything going online, and so much more stuff going online. So it's don't get me wrong; it's still yeah, a gotcha. tremendous jump up. But the thing that just gets me is that it seems like every single time Microsoft has these quarterly numbers that come out, and you keep reading these numbers, it's like Apple. You constantly see this ridiculous percentage of growth year over year of the same quarter. I can't remember the last time we saw one of these quarterly numbers that was like, they only incrementally grew. I mean, these are like you know, 20%. When you're talking big. billions, this is just huge. The company is on fire. Yeah. Like in a good way. Not like, you know. Shit's on fire, yo. Yeah. Not like solar winds, <laughs> like shit's on fire. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. it's just, it blows my mind just how how healthy and how much of a cash cow it really is turning into and like, and what they're able to do with it. So yeah, it's impressive. It's amazing. Really? Like they're a huge, the world's biggest company still. I think so. They almost approached a $2 trillion market cap. And the funny thing was, is that when this, when this news came out, like the stock went down for a day. Yeah. But still down. I understand how the stock market... Still down off its peak. Yeah, and I understand how the stock market works that, you know, it was going based on, you know, what expectations are and all that stuff. But still, I just... Like buy and hold, buy and hold. It's like yeah. smile and wave, boys. <laughs> buy and hold, boys. Buy and hold. <laughs> yeah, their market cap right now as a company is $1.865 trillion. And um, the stock price has dropped from a high of recently, I think, 162 down to one. What are we at now? One, sorry, 262 down to 247. So it's come off like 20 bucks and, uh, well, not quite, but yeah, something like that. So, that was sort of knocking on the $2 trillion number, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, and, and just for people who watch the stock market or who not watch it as closely, when you hear that, like, why is the stock down 20 bucks from the 260s down to the 240s? Just keep in mind, there's a lot of stocks in the United States that are like that right now because yeah. the, there's some politics that's being played about how capital gains is supposed to go up, which is the tax you pay on the profits of your stocks. And so... There's some people who are like, I'm getting out of the game right now because my taxes might go way up if I don't if I if I stay there. Yeah, gotcha. I think there's some of that that's going on. I mean, you've seen a lot of things come. Like, hmm. I've watched uh, uh, Tesla has been is way off from its highs, even as volatile as they are. They're still way off from their highs. So yeah, gotcha. Apple is currently not is 2.15 trillion. So they got Microsoft beat at the moment. It's nuts. Yeah, so that's Microsoft earnings news. Absolutely crushing it. Things are going crazy good by the looks of it, and Satya is uh, at the helm doing a great job by the looks of it. I've got a, a bit of news here on the Azure side. One of them is uh, around the cost of management billing updates in April 2021. I, this might be one of the more boring updates that I keep repeating for people, but there's something in this that I, I really like about this. I'd love to see Microsoft doing this. All of their docs are all stored in GitHub. And most of them are all publicly accessible that you can actually see, you know, where the actual source of the docs are. What's neat about this is that at the bottom of their article, when they talk about all the new stuff that's available to you about you know, the learning opportunities for what's there, is it says, here's a couple documentation updates you might be interested in. So it shows us a couple of those things. But then here's the line that I, as a developer, I love this. And I wish we'd see more of this. And this is why, this is how I like, I tell, well, let me just explain it first and I'll come back to it. They quote, 
We want to, want to keep an eye on all the documentation updates. Check out the, and this is hyperlinked, cost management and billing doc change history end link in the Azure Docs repo in GitHub. If you see something missing, select edit at the top of the document and submit a quick pull request. Now, ending the quote. Here's what I like about that. You want to see what's changed on that section of all those updates? That link is to a specific commit, and it shows all of the updates that they made to the docs in this with this April 2021 update. I find that to almost be more useful than a roll-up blog post because I can quickly see, hey, what exact, what stuff did change with this release? And it's the mm-hmm. same thing that I tell my customers when we see a new version of the SharePoint framework come out. I was like, hey, look, watch the PR that gets submitted and the commits that are associated with it when they have an update to the release docs or the release notes for a new SharePoint release. And when you do that, look at all the other commits and all the files that are touched in there so you can see everything that's kind of part of this update. So I've, mm. I've started doing some stuff for Microsoft where I'm working on writing the release notes when the SharePoint framework does do a new release. And like my customers, have, some people have noticed that. They were like, oh, I look at your fork of the docs and I can see if you're working on a specific branch and what updates are coming. So I can see like new features that are going to be released and they're going to be talked about. It's a kind of a way to get a little bit of a sneak preview, but it's also a way to kind of get some breadth on all the stuff that's covered if it's not going to be in the release notes. That is one of those things that like for Teams or for Azure updates, like Azure uh, Functions updates, that to me, that stuff is, that's an awesome way to be able to see this stuff. Yeah, nice. Right, I think that wraps up our news and we can move on to some awesome picks by the looks of it. This looks great. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. AC, I am mesmerized by your first pick. All right, have you looked at it yet? I have, I just looked. I just did a peek. So this, I've been sitting on this for weeks. I found this guy, this guy on Etsy, that he makes his own Lego sets. Now, it's not that he just makes his own Lego sets, which are cool. But what's really neat about it to me is that he's making his own Lego sets. He makes his own instructions and he gives you a parts list. And the one, the two that I found that are really special. One of them, I, well, I sent both of these links to my wife and my kids for Father's Day, but I, I don't expect them to do this. In fact, the first one, I really don't expect them to do this. He's only selling the plans for this first one, the Launch Complex 39, LC39, for the Saturn V rocket. So if you bought the Saturn V Lego set, he has an entire LC39B set that is all set up for you to be able to build your own launch complex uh, complex for to have your Saturn rocket sit there. And it's huge. It, the rocket is already big, but it's at least another 20% or 25, 30% taller than what the actual Saturn uh, rocket is. Now, the funny thing about this is that if you decide to do this, you look at this and go, oh, sweet, you know, I could, I could do that. How much is it? Oh, the instructions are only $15. Fantastic. Here's the problem. If you go to the parts list and go buy all the parts, it's going to run you between $750 and $1,500 to get all the Lego pieces to be able to build it out. But still pretty freaking cool. Epic. Now, that's one. Now, the other one that I have for this 
is the one that I really want to get my hands on. And it's one of those things that I'm, I am tempted to buy this myself, but I think I might end up having to wait and kind of, I might get in trouble if I do this. This one's only $5. And this one is the instructions for the Mars Perseverance Rover and uh, Lego. And it looks just like this. It looks very similar to the same kit that I have on my shelf of the um, Curiosity Rover. This one is only $5. And the total parts that you would build for this is somewhere, it's about 321 pieces. And the total parts are only going to cost you about 30 bucks. So this one's a little bit more realistic here. Yeah, That sounds great. Oh, man. Now I really want the umbilical tower. (laughs) I don't think I've got room for the entire launch complex 39? Yes, you do. I don't know. I'm looking behind you. You do. Guess so. Maybe. You're going to have a little bit of time on your hands. Yeah, I do. (laughs) He has a separate set of instructions just for the umbilical tower and the platform that it stands on without the big pad around it. Mm -hmm. And it has like a crawler that goes underneath it as well. Mm -hmm. That looks pretty cool. Like that would, weirdly, that's $25, not $15. Anyway, if you look through his his catalog of stuff, so the the seller is on Etsy is Skylab Bricks. And if you look through his collection, he has a bunch of different things that he sells of different sets. This will send you down a path that there is a whole bunch of different people that are doing this now. There's this guy named Maverick 954-9154 who has a Mercury Redstone, a Saturn Two, I think, the smaller one. Yeah. And what's the other rocket that he has? Saturn 1B, Mercury, Redstone, Atlas, and a Titan for that he has that are all Saturn, that are all like, they're all at scale with the Saturn V rocket. So you can put them right next to your Saturn V if you wanted to have all rockets set up. You basically, you could build your own rocket garden of Lego. Yes. Why wouldn't you? I mean, honestly, that's so cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, mine is slightly different topics this week. The first one is an article from Troy Hunt, who we've had on the show, entitled, I now own the CoinHive domain. Here's how I'm fighting crypto jacking and doing good things with content security policies. Have you read this? I saw this. He posted it on April the 1st, and so I was like, is this real? Here's the too long, didn't read version. CoinHive used to be a service that people could buy that you'd put JavaScript on pages on the internet And it would download a bit of JavaScript that would effectively mine Bitcoin or cryptos in people's browsers. So you're thinking, what the hell? Turns out lots of hackers used this service and hijacked a bunch of people's websites and put the CoinHive JavaScript on those websites. And they were using people when they were browsing to those websites, they were using a bit of their CPU to mine Bitcoin and reaping the benefits, right? Anyway, so CoinHive shut down some time ago, and then a period of time went by, and Troy Hunt had the opportunity to get the domain names from CoinHive, from somebody. I don't know if they were associated with CoinHive. He's a bit sketchy about the details on this because he probably doesn't want to out the person. But anyway, he ended up getting the domain names for the CoinHive domains, and there are still hundreds of thousands of people hitting websites with CoinHive's JavaScript still on them, right? Or links to the JavaScript still on them, for example. And so he's set up a thing in Azure, a website in Azure, to monitor all of those requests. And he just serves 404s to them, right? So he doesn't serve anybody JavaScript. But he's got analytics on it, so you can see all about the analytics of of what's happened. And now he's gone a step further, and he is serving some JavaScript back to those requests. 
that pops up a dialogue saying, this website's been compromised to mine crypto coin, blah, 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 blah. And to notify the site owners that they still have this injected code on their sites. Oh my gosh. Yeah, pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, that's nuts. Anyway, there's a lot more detail to the post, like what the URLs are, what countries this is happening in, what websites this is happening in, things like that. So pretty fascinating. Man, wow. The second thing I've got is around smart home automation. So Shelly, I don't know if you've heard of Shelly, but it's like a small, I think we've mentioned it on the show some time back. It's a small IoT device. Effectively, they're like relays, power relays, right? So you can remotely switch on and off powered circuits. Right? It's not a switch, it's not a socket, it's actually a relay that you have to wire into things. So you could use them for all sorts of stuff. You know, you could you know wire them into lighting systems or garage door stuff, anything you can power. It takes anywhere from 110 to 240 volts, does AC and DC stuff as well. Really small, lightweight, little IoT devices. Anyway, the Shelly 2.5 is out now, which is smaller and more powerful and better range. Has a full API. You can hook it into things like Home Assistant. They've got their own app as well. I've just bought a couple of them to play around with in my newly found free time and a little bit of a few little home projects. So um, I bought one that does RGB circuits. So like for LEDs, LED RGB type circuits, Mm -hmm. and another one that's like full the full juice, well, the American version of full juice, which is 110 volts, but, you know, full power as opposed to low voltage, you know, 24 volts or whatever. They're actually fairly fairly inexpensive too. You know, you can pick them up for 20 bucks or so. I'm curious to see you do this, especially the LED one. Yeah. I, I love, yeah. I, I see that. I'm going to give it a shot. Shelly's got like integrated home assistant support. So that's, that's a huge plus for me. And it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really nice. You can hide them in the walls. You can, you know, stick them wherever you want, but you can hook them up to circuits and power things. I want to use a low voltage one for our fireplace because mm. right now it's a switch on the wall. So I want to get a, a low voltage one so that I can automate turning on and off the fireplace. The thing I like about the Shelly so stuff that, is so this. I want to be able to say, Alexa, it's business time. <laughs> and it's going to put some Barry White on. The fireplace is going to flick on. The shades are going to da- go down. And then I'm going to put Top Gear on the TV. It's going to be so hot. <laughs> My wife might not agree with that. but I don't know. I was turned on. <laughs> I, I, yeah, totally. I'm ready to seduce myself. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness it's such a funny approach now how we can how like there's a more you can go with like that whole you know do it yourself kind of thing where you can go you know buy the more out of the box kind of stuff or you can do the more do it yourself like this and kind of wire up your own things and like I've wanted to do like I've talked about I want to do the thing for my fish tank but I'm tempted to just be like ah screw it, just go the easy way and I'm just gonna go through and buy some Z-Wave or Zigbee plugs, yeah. plug things into those and put those into like a, a battery battery backup and then go configure things in Home Assistant, make my own little dashboard for it. It's like, I could go that yeah. way or I could say, well, do I want to go a little bit more detailed or do I want to create my, you know, get Arduino and kind of play with it that way? It's oh yeah, yeah, all over the place. Yeah. I did a fun Arduino project building a you know, radio frequency tuner stuff with Microsoft Flight Simulator. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. But man, it takes a long time. Like it's it's fiddly. You know, there's a lot of things to consider. So, yeah, it's not a quick solution. I'd love to do that. I feel for the person that takes that uh, I sell my house to eventually. I think I'm going to have to like write a freaking manual. Yeah, I did for my last house when we moved. I wrote a manual on how to how to uh, how to use everything. Mm-hmm. Actually, my my 
my co-founder Brian from from Hyperfish, he has a good approach to this. He rather than signing up for services like IoT type stuff using his own email address, he creates one for his address. Oh. So his address he has an email address for his house. And so he signs up for services that you might want to pass on to the next homeowner. Yeah. So when he leaves, when he sold, sells his house and moves on, he just writes a manual and puts all the logins for the various services in there and be like, cool, these accounts are all yours now. That's an interesting approach. So you sign up in your app and you sign in with this the, the home address and boom, you're in. Change the passwords on them. But yeah. yeah, change the passwords. You don't have to set and... everything back up again, you know, with your own accounts. Yeah, he just goes in and like, just kills the... like kills the credit card that they're tied to yeah. if it's a paid system. If it's a paid like service, yeah. Yeah, and you go connect into it. That's not a bad idea. I really like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. I got to stop watching how long I'm going to be in the house that I'm in so I know that I know where I want to go next and <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to take anything with me. Just be, well, I mean, the furniture, but I don't want to take my automation stuff like going, I want to start over. Nothing wrong with what I've done. I'm just like, I don't want to go pull some no, no, it's good. It's a good feeling to start fresh. Yeah. 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 I left all my old smart switches in my old house. Yeah. and braided it when I got to this house using a different system. But yeah, it's good to start fresh and, and not make the same mistakes and do things differently. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's this week in the bag. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good to see you again, AC. I took a week off last week. Thanks for chatting with Stefan. I'm going to listen to that show and you've got me all interested about front end and Blazor and Teams and stuff. So I'm going to give it a, give it a shot. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Good to have you back. Have a good one. You too, bud. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. It helps people find out about our show and grow our audience, and we'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com forward slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or MP3 and provide us a link so we can play it on the show. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll get notices of each episode, as well as the show notes sent to you directly each week. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening.